Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to Cornerstone College Ministries podcast. My name is Blake Brown, and you're about to listen to our midweek Bible study for the fall 2022 semester. Uh, This semester, we're covering prophecies that are fulfilled by Christ, looking at Old Testament passages about the Messiah, and then seeing where and how Christ fulfills them in the New Testament, and what that means for us today. I hope you enjoy as we study God's perfect word. So we're going over prophecies fulfilled this semester. We're going over all semester. And we're looking at choice-specific prophecies concerning the Messiah, ultimately. We've already seen prophecies about the Jesus' uh, birth, life, and his death. And today is a transition lesson. Um, we're moving on to portions about prophecies that are to be fulfilled. Um, sort of. Like I said, it's transition. So part of this is going to be was fulfilled, part was going to be to be fulfilled. So turn in your Bibles to the book of Daniel. Your Bibles, your phones, whatever you've got. Book of Daniel. It's uh, Old Testament. Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. Jeremiah is the longest book in the Bible. Sorry if you won your church's quiz bowl and you said it was Psalms. That is false. Um, as far as the word count, Jeremiah is much longer than Psalms. So... After Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and then you're at Daniel. Daniel chapter 9. So um, Daniel probably experienced this vision that we're going to read in the mid-500s BCE. Remember, so the higher the number in BC um, means that it's farther away from us. That makes sense. Um, so um, <clears throat> Daniel's honestly probably one of the greatest men recorded in Scripture. Just because there's not one wrong thing that Daniel did that's recorded in the Bible. Um, now, did Daniel sin? Yes. yes, right. Most likely 100% yes. Um, you've heard about Daniel, Daniel in the lion's den, maybe. Uh, but that wasn't Daniel was an old man. Like, he was pretty old at that point. I always pictured him as being like this this kid, you know, like 16 years old. Because all the pictures I saw in Sunday school. But he was probably like old. I mean, he was definitely old at that point. There was so much more that happened in his life that can be an encouragement to us from before then. Um, we actually went over the life of Daniel during last year's spring retreat. Uh, we kind of had a, a nightly Bible study time. It was a lot of fun to look into. But the thing with the book of Daniel is that there are actually two sections of the book. The first half is like the history part. And the second half is all prophecy. You see visions that Daniel gets and such. So Daniel was entrusted with prophecies of God. Like he was a faithful person. God entrusted him with these prophecies. We're going to look at one of those prophecies today in Daniel chapter 9. So let's read Daniel chapter 9 um, verses 24 through 27. And we'll see a timeline about the Messiah given. 24 to 27. It says this. Seventy weeks have been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, and to uh, make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. So you are to know that and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah, the Prince, there will be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks. It will be built again with plaza and moat, even in times of distress. Then, after sixty-two weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. And its end will come with a flood. Even to the end, there will be war. Desolations are determined. 
And he'll make a firm covenant with the many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he'll put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering. And on the wing of abominations will come one who makes it desolate. Even until a complete destruction, one that is decreed is poured out on the one who makes desolate. So, this is the vision that he was given um, here uh, in Daniel. And um, basically, this will be on your note sheet if you have notes. Here is the gist of it. Right? So, they are, Daniel is given 70 weeks. God actually says, for your people, meaning the Israelites, the Jewish nation, is given 70 weeks. But, um, you might have to read it up there, but on your notes should have it. It says, the Hebrew word for week literally means seven. Right? So you've been given 70 sevens. Um, so they have 70 sevens. What is 70 times seven? 490. 490. Boom. Right? So he says, you've been given 490 to do a lot of things. Right? Um, so let's see what those things are to do. To make an end of sin, basically. To um, finish the transgression, make an end of sin, make atonement for iniquity. Bring in everlasting righteousness. To seal up vision and prophecy. And to anoint the most holy, most holy one, most holy place. It kind of says most holy in the Hebrew. We put place or one in there um, in our translations. But to anoint the most holy. So that's a very tall order, don't you think? Like, you have this much time to stop sinning, to have no more visions, no more um, prophecy, no more anything. And that is all you got. And that's it. Um, and then he gives a timeline to them. Right? He tells them, after the decree to rebuild and restore Jerusalem. So it's down there. It says decree to rebuild Jerusalem. Um, after that decree, then you have a certain timeline. Right. Then you have the thing starting. It's kind of the starting point. It's a start line for this timeline he's given. So you have seven weeks plus 62 weeks. That is 69 weeks. Now, what's 69 times 7? 483. 483, right? Okay. So it says you have seven weeks plus 62 weeks. Remember, weeks means sevens. So if 62 sevens is really 483, then right, at this point you have that much time until... The Messiah, the King, or the Messiah, the Prince. And he's cut off. People of the Prince who is to come will destroy these things. There'll be a one-week peace pact. There's an abomination of desolation talked about. It comes on the wings of abomination, one who makes desolate. Whew, this is a pretty intense vision that um, Daniel has seen. Can you imagine being Daniel and being like, I'm just serving God in my life. And then he's like, here you go. right? And you're given this. You have a timeline and the clock starts. Whenever that decree is given, and this is what's going to happen after that. Right? So God gave us this time limit for the Jews to basically become perfect and do some other things. Um, but he also gave them a starting point. right? A starting point. It says, from the issuing of a decree to rebuild and restore Jerusalem. Well then, we should probably look to see if there's ever a decree given to rebuild and restore Jerusalem. Um we see one decree that's been recorded that is specific to only rebuilding the city of Jerusalem. In Ezra, we see another decree uh, to rebuild the temple. And whatever else Ezra says, the king is like, do whatever Ezra says, basically. But especially the temple. Uh, but not specifically the city. There's one decree that is about the city itself. And that's Nehemiah. If you've been with us on Sunday mornings, we're going over Nehemiah. Nehemiah gets that decree. Look at Nehemiah chapter 2. If you want to turn there, you can, but... 
it's up there too. So, um, two, one through eight, it says this. <coughs> I came about in the month of Nisan, twentieth year of King Artaxerxes. Obviously, not one of our months. It's a Jewish month. Um, now, wine was before Artaxerxes, and I took up the wine and gave it to the king. This is Nehemiah talking. Now, I had not been sad in his presence. The king said to me, "Why is your face sad, though you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart." Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, Let the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad? In the city, the place of my father's tombs is desolate, and its gates have been consumed by fire. What city is that? Jerusalem. Right? The holy city. Um, the king said to me, What was your request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. I said to the king, If it please the king and your servant has found favor before you, send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. The king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, How long will your journey be, and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I gave him a definite time. And I said to the king, If it pleased the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the provinces beyond the river that may allow me to pass through until I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make the beams for the gates of the fortress, which is by the temple, for the wall of the city, and for the house to which I will go. The king granted them to me because the good hand of my God was on me. So we have a decree given that's specifically to rebuild Jerusalem. Well, when was Daniel written again? I said at the beginning. Mid 500s, like 550, mid 500s BC. Um, this decree went out in 444 BC. Now, remember, bigger means farther away in BC. So, this was written, uh, this decree was given about 100 years after Daniel's vision took place, right? Daniel's prophecy that he got took place. So, Huh. Interesting. Right. So here's the deal, though. The decree was given in 444 B.C. So if we have the decree to rebuild Jerusalem, well, then we should be able to just count from there to the Messiah. Right? Take those numbers and go. Let's just add 62 sevens, which is... 483, right? 62 sevens, 43. Um, to that, because that's what this 69 weeks, 69 sevens. Sorry, not 62. I'm sorry, 69.7. So that. And we should get to Christ. There's an issue. 444 BC to 33 AD, which is roughly when Christ died. Um, we have 476 years. Now, you may not realize this. 476 is not 483. <laughs> so there is a discrepancy. So we're like, wait, what's happening? Something's off. Well, if we're using... Our years, that is. What month was it in King Artaxerxes? Nissan. Nissan. What month is that for us? February. February, right? Yeah, but like not exactly maybe, right? It's like, yeah, it's kind of in there somewhere. Yeah, so we don't use the same calendar that they were using. They had a lunar calendar. The Jewish years used the lunar calendar. And then they would make, every once in a while, they'd add adjust, adjustments um, to where they were going to be. Uh, as far as, sorry, I just figured out where we're going to be tomorrow um, for our coffee thing so i got distracted um but jewish years have used a lunar calendar and they add adjustments in it to make up for the not being a solar year afterwards um so lunar years are 360 days right we have how many in our years 65 and a quarter right because we have a leap year because we're like every four years we're like what do we do with this extra time <laughs> so we add another day there. um so, okay. So there's an issue here. They're looking at lunar years. We're looking at solar years. So they don't really compute exactly. Huh. Well, 
how do we then figure out what the actual time was for 483 years? Count the days. Do the math. Oh, days. Do the math, right? Do days change depending on what calendar you use? No, you can't. I mean, you can't just be like, no. 24 hours, more like 28, right? No, it's just not going to happen. Um, so they have the same number of days. So if we do that, well, then we can see, are they really lining up or not? Um, okay, this is going to look really scary. I'm sorry for everyone in here. Math. Um, so I don't have this on your sheet. So you have to write it down, I don't think. Uh, you're fine. If you want to, you can if you're like that. Um, but if we take lunar years, which is 360 days, and we multiply it by 483, we get this number of days. 1,000, what, 173,880 days. It's the amount of days in between when the decree was given to when the Messiah should have died. If we take our years, which is 444 to 33 AD, and do 365 days, we get less than that. And then you're like, wait, but there's a little bit like a month difference here, right? Or like half a month difference, whatever you say, from whenever we said the Messiah died to when the decree was given back in Daniel's day or Nehemiah's day. So add 24 days there. And then we have leap years, right? So we add a day every once in a while every four years or so. So add those days in there and guess how many days it is? The exact same amount of days. So when you convert our years to days from when the crew was given to where Christ died, it's the same number of days as if you take lunar years from the decree given to when Christ died. Isn't that neat? Does that make any sense? Okay, cool. <laughs> Just want to make sure. So, from Nehemiah's decree that he was given to the death of Christ on the cross was exactly 483 lunar Jewish years. Or, yeah. But this is not the only opinion on this subject. Oh, no. Um, since the Jews would take into account the lunar years weren't actually the full year, um, they would make adjustments of it to make it a solar year. So, maybe it is solar years like we would think of, right? Maybe they did actually adhere to the solar year, not the lunar year, number of years there. We've already seen it doesn't work with Nehemiah's decree, right? Nehemiah's decree to whenever Christ um, came was uh, 476, not 483. There's some sort of discrepancy there. But what about the other decree? Ezra's decree. That was to rebuild what? The temple, the temple right? And whatever else Ezra needed to be done, right? Hmm. Think about that. Here's another thought about that. This again, I told you it's on someone's website, so I should have credit down there, but um, <laughs> um, can I ask about it, and I'll like send you the link to the website and stuff. But um, so they say from the decree of Ezra, or Ezra, you take seven weeks, sixty-two weeks, you get to just beginning his ministry. They also changed the date to thirty-one AD for crucifixion because we were not like maybe exactly sure. I guess I don't know. Anyways, to that um, thirty-one AD. So they say that there's a the coming of the Messiah, the Prince, is when that goes to. And there's a little gap here. Three, you know, and he uh, started his ministry when? Jesus did? 30-ish. How many years did he do his ministry? Three, right? So three years later, a child, right? Um, crucifixion. Uh, and then there's a gap after that. Of course, there's the church age. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, but this is another view of it. So what do we do, right? It explains why there also are seven weeks, then 62 weeks. So there's 49 years of rebuilding Jerusalem there. It says at the end of the 48, 493 solar years, this is the beginning of the Messiah's ministry. There's a few years gap before the Messiah is cut off. So we're not at an impasse. What do we do? We give up, right? Is it 
483 years from Nehemiah's decree to the cross or 483 solar years from decree to ministry? Both work. <laughs> so, I don't think it's too important to get caught up in it. Be like, oh my gosh, what do we do? Our Bible's wrong, right? Like, no. Right? Both of these views work. However, I think it is important to try and find the truth and find which one is correct. So I do have one I lean towards. I think that it's Nehemiah's decree, ultimately, for many different reasons. Um, for many different reasons, and you can talk later if you want to discuss kind of what those things are. Um, but that's basically what I, I think it is. It's from that time. So now we figured out that 483 years from the decree was the perfect time for Christ to come as the Messiah. He perfect, perfectly fulfilled this uh, prophecy that we have here. Um, this part of the vision about the Messiah coming, right? It says the Messiah was cut off. When did that happen? When he died, right? When he like physically died, right? Christ came. We know he came the first time to earth. He's come and he came to live a perfect life. He came to die on the cross to pay for our sins. I rose from the grave to conquer death and that he offers eternal life to everyone. If we believe in him, by faith alone we have it. Right? For by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, so no one can boast. And that's what the whole Old Testament was looking forward to, was this Messiah that would come. So this prophecy was about was this Messiah coming, the Savior coming. So he fulfilled this part of the vision, right? This is prophecy fulfilled. Cool. He came at just the right time. But there's more to the vision. Kind of unfortunately, there's more to the vision. Uh, the next part, Messiah's cut off, one week peace pact, then the abomination of desolation. Here's how it's outlined, right? So you have seven years, it's that last week, and then you have the abomination of desolation. Rachel always says it sounds like it's a video game or something. Um, but abomination of desolation, it's, and then there's a halfway point, that's where the peace pact is broken at this point. Um, this timeline right here is detailed a lot more in Revelation. In fact, it's very detailed in Revelation. Um, we're not going to get that today, though, unfortunately. Uh, well, for time's sake, fortunately. Um, but did you know that Jesus also talked about this in his On the Earth? In fact, he even referenced Daniel's vision in this. So he talked about it in Matthew 24. Turn in your Bibles, if you still have them out, uh, to Matthew 24. Uh, what we have, Jesus here, he says, wrong. <laughs> Matthew 24, it's uh, verse 15. Um, 24 and 25 of Matthew are um, prophetic. He's just talking about the kingdom of God, about this coming kingdom, about the way that things are happening, the tribulation and the kingdom, all these things going on. Um, so make sure that whenever we're studying the book of Matthew that we take that into account, right, as we're going through that. But Matthew 24 says this, verse 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which is spoken through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. Whoever is in the house must not go down to get things that are in this house. Whoever is in the field must not turn back to get his cloak. But woe to those who are pregnant, those who are nursing babies in those days. But I pray that your flight will not be in winter or on a Sabbath. For then there will be a great tribulation, such as those not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. Great tribulation. Um, unless those days have been cut short, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, 
Those days will be cut short. That if anyone says to you, Behold, here's the Christ, or there he is, don't believe him. For false Christs, false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Behold, I have told you in advance. So if they say to you, Behold, he's in the wilderness, don't go out. Or behold, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe them. For just as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so will the coming of man be. So wait, here's a prophecy. There's another prophecy, right, about the Messiah. And it says, as lightning flashes to the east and west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Can you imagine if lightning crossed against the entire sky? Like, I mean, we've seen it pretty pretty big before, probably. But not like, from the east to the west, the entire world is just lit up, right? So we have one more prophecy here. And it's that the Messiah will return. And it's going to be flashy this time. <laughs> we talked about last time, or the first time he came, he came and he was born to whom? virgin uh but she was at least a princess right or something a queen no right a poor virgin right um and then he was born where bethlehem he was laid in a manger right in a stable where he was born not only what you expect from like the god of the universe coming to be flesh to to be in to, to kind of have as his first inclination into the world um wasn't very flashy at all but this time, it's going to be pretty flashy. Lightning from the east to the west is going to come. What we're going to see in the coming Wednesday lessons is that he's going to come and to rule and to reign when he returns. He's going to come to rule and to reign. Overall, though, this is the, the end, right? This last seven years, this is whenever, this is what Daniel saw. He saw this. There's going to be a decree. There will be seven weeks, 49 years. There will be 62 weeks, 434 years. Then there's read the Messiah. He'll be cut off, and the last week, the last seven years, will be a peace pact that will be broken halfway through, and there'll be a huge time of tribulation. So, when did Christ die? A while ago. A while ago. Has it been more than seven years? Yes. What about lunar years? (laughs) Even so, yes, right? (laughs) Um, so, if God said it would be 483 years from the decree to the Messiah, and that was perfectly accurate, then wouldn't the last seven years seem to also be pretty accurate? In fact, even if the Messiah himself came down and talked about there's going to be this time coming, I think that would be pretty accurate, right? Referencing the same thing that we're reading about in Daniel. Well, there's something that Daniel did not see, right? He saw that, like, the end is here, right? Time is up after the seven years. But something Daniel did not see. It's like Daniel was seeing the peaks, like on, sitting on top of a mountain, seeing the peaks of the mountaintop. It's like, okay, this will happen, then this will happen, then this will happen, right? But what's in between mountains? Other mountains. Other mountains. Valleys, <laughs> right? Um, lower things, right? Um, so he couldn't see the gaps that were the valleys, that were things going on. There's one really big gap before the last seven years that were decreed for Israel. Ephesians 3 talks about it. Now, referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight to the mystery of Christ, which in the other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it now has been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. To be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body, and fellow partakers in the promises in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So the Gentiles have been brought in, right? The, the, some of the blessings that were given to um, the Jewish nation, now the Gentiles are being grafted into that. About that also in uh, Romans 9 10 and 11. 
So this is a mystery not known before, but it's known now. It's been revealed now. The church age, right? Church age right there was a mystery. It's the age we're currently in. Then we're going to have the rapture talked about in 1 Thessalonians and Revelation. and That's the seventh tribulation we looked at. There'll be a kingdom and judgment and on fraternity. Um, but um, finally, just uh, final seven years of Israel are given there. We're not going to all that tonight. So, question we have is, so what? God told us when the Messiah would come, and it happened. Right? He said it was going to come, and exactly at that time, the Messiah came. So what? Well, if we can trust God's word, when timing happens, then we can trust God's timing in our own lives. Right? If God's timing about the Messiah coming was perfect, then we can trust Him in the timing in our own life. In fact, when the Messiah came was perfect. When God allows things to come in our lives is perfect timing. When He rewards us is perfect timing. When He delivers us is perfect timing. All those things. It says in Romans 5, 6 about when the Messiah came was perfect. It says, For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. At the right time. We saw that time, right? 483 years after a decree given, the Messiah came. And it was just the right time also because the whole world, or a lot of the world, at least the known world, was speaking Koine Greek at that time, which is called Common Greek, ultimately. And so... They had a very common language that most people were speaking, were actually made to speak, that they could just, boom, go and speak. Um, the right time also, because torture and death on a cross was a common thing at this time. And it was prophesied about in the Old Testament. Curses the one who hangs on a tree. And they pierced my hands and my feet. And also when Romans, Romans had made travel routes to go to get the gospel spread quickly, right? All roads re- lead to Rome. That saying is a saying because they were like, here's Rome. Right, let's make roads. So at the right time for prophecy, for all these things coming together, Christ died for the ungodly. And then when he allows things to come to our lives is also perfect timing. <laughs> Ecclesiastes 3 says, There's appointed time for everything, there's a time for every event under heaven. Many of us in here are at a stage in life right now that is a launching point for the rest of our lives. It's kind of a getting ready, a preparatory preparatory time for the rest of our lives. College is here to prepare us for a job and a life after college. But God has you in college at this time for a reason. Don't set all of your life and your hope on the end of college. On finally just getting out of college finally. I'll just be out of here so my whole, all my time is just spent looking forward to being out of this college time. God has you here for a reason. It's to love Him, love others, and to serve Him. So trust his timing about when you graduate, when you get a job, when you get married, or whatnot. His timing is better than our timing. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't need any understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. So acknowledge him in all that we do. Right? Turn to him, make him a priority in all that we do, and he'll make our paths straight. So when the last things come into our lives, it's perfect timing. And then, when he rewards us, it's perfect also. Look at Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. For in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So, 
We will get our reward for serving Christ in this life. Don't let ourselves get greedy and start chasing worldly rewards. Right? I want it now. I want immediate satisfaction. Um, because they're going to disappear, right? If you have worldly rewards, they're going to disappear. You can't take them with you. When you die, what are you taking with you? Nothing. Nothing at all. So let's keep serving God, trusting in His eternal reward. Don't grow weary. And know that whenever we toil on the Lord, our toil is not in vain. Right? There's a purpose behind it. It's eternal. And fourth, when He delivers us is perfect as well. Lamentations 3, 25-26 says, The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the person who seeks Him. It is good that He waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. Wait for the deliverance of the Lord. This is talking about physical deliverance in this passage. Lamentations is the lament over Jerusalem whenever they've been destroyed, and it's why people in Nehemiah came back to rebuild it. So this is physical deliverance we see here. We've all been in trials in our Christian life, every single one of us. We're either in one now, or leaving one, or about to go into one, most likely. So let's pray to God to deliver us from the trial that we're in, but trust His timing us to deliver us when the time is right. So pray to him like, hey, I'd really rather not be in this trial. Right? Um, but trust his timing about when it's going to end. Trust his timing about when he allows it to come into our lives. We know that trials produce endurance, and endurance produces maturity. So we have in James 1. So trust his timing in all these areas. Trust his timing in when the Messiah came. Obviously, the Messiah will come eventually. God allows things to come into our lives, whether it be relationships or whatever stage we're in right now or whatever else. Um, when He rewards us, it's His timing. It's perfect timing. When He delivers us, it's also perfect timing. So we're going to break into discussion groups now um, for the next uh, 10, 15 minutes or so. We're going to break into groups of, groups of guys, groups of gals. Um, kind of split off into that for tonight. So the question is, in what area of your life do you have a hard time trusting God's timing? Some examples, right? School, job, trials, our rewards, maybe relationships. It's just it's really hard for us to trust God's timing in those. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll break off into those groups. God, we thank you for how great your word is, for how perfect we see your plan uh, of salvation for us, that we see that you decreed and you told Joseph.